Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 nationwide. Now you can always go to ericericksonshow.com, get links to the podcast, the 24-7 live stream, all that stuff is there. There is some breaking news. We need to get to this breaking news. The Federal Reserve has now raised interest rates as expected, a quarter of a percentage point. This is from the New York Times. The Fed has kept rates near zero since March 2020, and the decision marked the first increase since 2018. Policymakers are projecting six more interest rate increases over the course of 2022 as inflation comes in at a 40-year high. Uh, with appropriate firming and the stance of monetary policy, the committee expects inflation to return to its 2% objective and the labor market to remain strong, the, Fred's, the Fed said in its statement, noting that the committee anticipates that ongoing increases in the target range will be appropriate. The Fed is at an inflection point after two years of trying to help the economy recover from the damage inflicted by the global pandemic. While the coronavirus continues to disrupt commerce around the world, the United States economy has staged a swift recovery. American jobs market have rebounded rapidly from steep pandemic job losses that had pushed unemployment to 14.7%, and businesses are now struggling to find workers. A surge in consumer spending has helped to push the rate of inflation to levels not seen since the 1980s. Instead of echoing the anemic slog back from the 2007-9 recession, one that kept millions of applicants out of work and left inflation tepid despite years of rock-bottom rates, the pandemic bounce back has been vigorous. Prices for groceries, couches, and rent have all climbed rapidly, and the Federal Reserve officials have been warily eyeing that trend. On Wednesday, they took their biggest step yet toward counteracting it, raising the policy interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point. That small change will carry with it a major signal. Policymakers have fully pivoted to inflation-fighting mode and will do what is necessary to make sure price gains do not remain hot for months and years to come. Notice the New York Times does not include federal spending, but that has a lot to do with it. Though the Democrats denied it was predicted by the left's own Larry Summers, who said that uh, policymakers in the Biden White House and the Democratic Party were dumping too much money into the economy during the COVID relief package, and it was going to overstimulate the economy and cause inflation. No one wants to talk about that anymore. It's like they've memory hold it, but that happened. Lee Cooperman is a billionaire. He's a hedge fund manager and investor. He's always worth listening to. He was on CNBC this morning talking about our monetary problems. So we've had very inappropriate monetary policies. We've had inappropriate fiscal policies. And either we're going to have to pay the piper or we're going to uh, fiat currency. Just think about uh, the debt buildup of the country. The station was founded in 1776. We had no national debt. In 2017, that's 241 years later, we had national debt of 20 trillion. From 2017 to 2021, we've gone from 20 trillion to 30 trillion in four years. That's a growth rate in debt far in excess of the growth rate of the economy. So I would say uh, I'm worried about fiscal, I'm worried about monetary policy. The interest rates are far too low for what's going on in the economy. I remember over the course of my career that I used to get a real return in bonds. Uh, if you say the inflation rate is running 8% and the 10-year is a little over 2%, you have a negative return. And I think that that's got to change. People are getting pay raises in the country. A lot of people getting pay raises. 
but the pay raises are not keeping up with inflation. So the result is that people's pay is actually going down. And that's part of the problem here. We don't have sound, good economic or monetary policy right now. There was a candidate, uh, what was it, governor of New York or mayor of New York? I can't remember. But he was the rent is too damn high candidate. That was basically his entire thing was the rent is too damn high. This is from Wolf Street. Rents for single-family houses and apartments blow out across the U.S. Crazy hot rent inflation is a national fiasco. Market rents for single-family homes and apartments are going haywire, one of the salient features of the current inflationary environment. It has nothing to do with supply chain snags and factories in China and Russia's invasion of Ukraine or the prices of commodities. It is an inflationary phenomenon that has taken on a life of its own. Landlords, some of them giant companies, believe they can jack up rents, and the giant companies among them tout their ability to do so in their earnings calls, and tenants are paying those higher rents. This is another glaring sign that the inflationary mindset has taken over on both sides. Rental inflation is now in full blowout mode. Rents on single-family houses across the United States jumped by 12.6% in January, according to S&P CoreLogic today, based on the repeat rent method, which tracks rents of the same rental properties over time. That 12.6% spike was the fastest, meanest year-over-year spike in the data going back to 2004 and the 10th month in a row of record rent increases. Rent increases varied by market and maxed out in Miami with a ridiculous 39% spike year over year. Atlanta has seen a a rental increase of almost 12%. Austin, Texas has seen 15%. Uh, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada has seen uh, 17%. Phoenix, Arizona has seen 18%. Orlando, Florida has seen 20%. Miami has seen 35%. Charlotte, North Carolina has seen an 11% increase. Around the country, rents are going up. One of the things that is happening in the rental market in this country is a lot of major companies are buying up houses. In fact, they're buying up so many houses and condominiums in this country and in major apartment buildings in this country that people can't actually buy a house. My wife and I were recently offered $550,000 cash for our home, which is more than our home really is worth, if I'm honest. We were tempted to take it. I was tempted to take it. I didn't really talk to her about it, to be honest, because I knew the the situation. Uh, The reason that I was tempted to take it and didn't take it is because there's nowhere for us to move. Someone were to pay us $550,000, we would have a few hundred thousand dollars left over after we paid off the mortgage. Where would we move? We'd have a down payment for a house that doesn't exist. This is part of the problem. There are not a lot of houses out on the market right now. And in a lot of places in this country right now, major corporations are buying up the houses and turning them into rental properties. This is a problem that we as a nation are going to have to deal with. And it's one I feel very, very strongly about. One of the ways, the chief way, in fact, Americans build equity. The chief way in this country Americans build equity, Americans build value for themselves and their future, is by buying houses. You buy a house, you pay your mortgage, your equity grows. At first, 
after your 20% down payment, you may have $100,000. And over time, as your payment goes down, depending on the value of your house, the value of your house goes up, you have a few hundred thousand dollars. You hit retirement age. If you need to, you sell your house and you downsize and you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars. You can't do that when you're renting. You do not build equity as a renter. And a lot of corporations have realized they can force you into being a renter by buying up all the available properties and saying, no, we're not going to sell it to you, but we'll rent it to you. And then they keep jacking up rents. Dave Ramsey got in trouble a while back. Well, he didn't really get in trouble. It was a stupid critique on Dave Ramsey, who was essentially saying if you if you raise rental and have to throw someone out on the street, you're not a bad Christian. Someone contracts with you to rent your home and you raise rent and they cannot afford the rent. You're under no obligation to let them live there for free. It doesn't make you a bad Christian to evict a tenant who cannot pay their bill. What would, I would argue, make you a bad Christian is if you raise the rent unreasonably high so that regular people couldn't rent the house. When morality is uncoupled from capitalism, capitalism is no better than socialism. You have to have some level of morality. When a major hedge fund in New York buys up all the available houses and condos in the country and forces you into renting because there are just no available houses for you to buy in your price range, and then they keep jacking up prices, they have uncoupled morality from capitalism. And the problem is they're just wanting to make a buck at the expense of Americans being able to earn equity, long-term, that hurts them too. Long-term, it hurts the companies because the people have votes and the companies do not. And the voters get livid and they have a voter reaction to it at the ballot box and it ends badly for everyone. Capitalism and free markets work best when it is a moral people who deploy the tools of capitalism and the free market. We are in a really bad situation right now with a lot of people who cannot build equity and they can't build equity because they're forced to rent. And there are a lot of people who say, well, they're not forced to rent. I mean, they could they could commute from the countryside uh, when it's $5 a gallon for gas and they would have an hour commute. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. We're pricing people out of home ownership, which is a core tenet of the American dream. And a lot of major companies are raising rents and they don't have to raise the rent. They're trying to eke out profits in ways that, that, that are possible. And people, they got to pay for their house. I don't want you to hear me slamming landlords. I if, if I were a handyman, I would probably own some houses and rent them. As is, if I did it, I would have to rely on other people to do all the fixer-upper stuff. And I'm just not that handy. And I don't maybe one day I got a friend of mine uh, who invests in apartment buildings around the country. And it works for him. He has a regular income. Now, I like this guy, and and, and he does not uh, – he's in charge of a number of apartment buildings, not just uh, here where I live, but in different parts of the country. And I consider him to be a reasonable person who's very mindful of the fact that he's renting to people who, if he jacked up rent too much, a lot of them couldn't afford it. 
but he is an anomaly. He is an individual who does this. There are a lot of major corporations who just don't care. They're going to get as much as they can out of people who need a roof over their head. And in doing so, price people out of the American dream. And when you start pricing people out of the American dream, they give up on the dream and they decide they're going to create something else and it ends badly for all of us. Rent is a problem in the country. And it plays into inflation. When the cost of gas is going up and the cost of groceries are going up and then you got rent is going up, it is a burden on the American people. And a lot of this is government policy. The New York Times, in talking about interest rates, chooses not to bring up the profligate American spending from the the federal government. In fact, Joe Biden himself denies that his big spending package has anything to do with inflation. In fact, he wants to blame Putin for everything. And now, second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. And gas prices, not a joke. We've seen the price of gas go up over a dollar just since he put his troops on the border, on the border of Ukraine. They went up a dollar and five cents. Big part of that reason is Putin began amassing troops along the border and then crossed. And guess what? The world took notice. The market anticipated. Prices went up. And then Putin invaded. Make no mistake. The current spike in gas prices is largely the fault of Vladimir Putin. He cannot accept responsibility. Forget the gas prices for a minute. Forget the gas prices. Go back to inflation. On inflation. Larry Summers, a Democrat who advised Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, said, if you pass this COVID bill, you will get rapid inflation. And all of the progressives laughed at him and said, shut up, Larry. We don't care what you think. You're wrong. They got exactly what he said. And now they're like, we didn't know. It's not our fault. Nobody warned us. Yes, your own side did. And now you're getting what you knew you were going to get. And now you don't want to be held responsible for it. So you're blaming Vladimir Putin. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the Bull and Branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. <laughs> got to say that word right. But they've got a little weight to them. So so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress and they're so light it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're – I mean, it's just – and then they bunch up the – the man, the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets, it makes a real big difference. Listen, you've got so many options out there right now. You could go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bull and Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. 
They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. This other program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. These chaotic times, a lot of banks are telling folks no, and you know interest rates are going to go up. So if you need a company that specializes in helping businesses grow, reach out to First Liberty. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family knows what they're doing. They want to help you. You need to buy a building, build a building. $750,000 are up. You see vision, and banks don't get it. They Try First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com is the website. They can certainly see if they can help you. Go to their website, firstlibertyga.com. Get their contact, reach out to them, spend a few minutes with them, tell them I sent you, and see if y'all can work together. Um, There is an interesting story I want to spend a moment on. Where I put this link in, and then I lost it. Uh, where is this? Here we go. Uh, this is from Josh Crashauer, who I just, uh, he's uh, he goes against the grain. His column is called against the grain. He's somewhat uh, against a lot of the conventional wisdom. He sees a lot of stuff others don't. He misses, he picks up stuff others miss. Let me read you part of this. Former President Trump is staring at a real chance that his endorsed candidates go zero for three in competitive Senate primaries in May an outcome that would underscore his already mixed record in primaries and raise serious questions about the depth of his political clout within the Republican Party. Trump's undisciplined political strategy, seeking to punish any candidate he deems disloyal, faces a wall of resistance in the South, one of the most pro-Trump regions of the country during his presidency. From North Carolina to Alabama, Senate candidates are failing to capitalize on the Trump seal of approval. Former North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory has weathered millions in outside attacks from the Trump-allied Club for Growth and leads Trump-endorsed Representative Ted Budd in several publicly released polls. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp now leads former Senator David Perdue by double digits in multiple polls while holding a significant financial advantage down the home stretch. Trump-endorsed Mo Brooks has underperformed so badly in Alabama's Senate race, the former president is reportedly considering endorsing one of his leading rivals. All three primaries will be in May. In June, Trump's clout in House races will be tested in South Carolina, with Representatives Nancy Mace and Tom Rice facing off against Trump-backed challengers. Trump held a rally for Mace's challenger, Katie Arrington, and Rice's leading opponent, Russell Fry, last weekend. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, a likely future presidential candidate, headlined a fundraiser for Mace last week, a sign of the emerging proxy fight between the wings of the party. Adding insult to injury, Trump's past praise of Vladimir Putin is now proving to be a major vulnerability for MAGA-aligned candidates. By nearly two to one, Republicans rejected the isolationist approach. It just this is a a fascinating picture now. Uh, whether you're in Georgia looking at the Kemp Purdue race, Trump is going to hold rallies for Purdue and for Herschel Walker. Walker's probably going to win. Everybody likes Herschel Walker in the Republican primary, but David Purdue can't get traction and can't get fundraising inside the state. Uh, Pat McCrory, the former governor in North Carolina, wants to be in the Senate, and it looks like he's going to do it. Mo Brooks floundering in Alabama. Uh, Donald Trump gave an interview to um, oh Dave Dreyer. Um, Dave, what's his name? 
over the Washington Dave Drucker over the Washington Examiner and said, this is Donald Trump now, said that voters are not ready to look at 2022 or 2024 until we finally look at 2020. There are a lot of people who think 2020 was stolen, but an increasing view within the Republican Party, within the base of voters, is that it's time to move on. Things are going well. We need to win. We need to beat the Democrats. We need to stop Joe Biden. And Trump wants to relitigate 2020. For a small number, a vocal fringe, that might work. But most people are ready to move on. And Donald Trump, if he wants to move forward, he needs to move beyond 2020. That's dragging him down and hurting his candidates and could hurt him headed into 2024. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here across the nation from my 100-year-old flagship studio in Atlanta, Georgia, WSB. If you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. We don't often talk about persecution in the United States of America. We don't. Uh, When we think of persecution, we think of people losing their lives. I had a a friend of mine tell me one time, one of his seminary professors told him, if you hadn't been persecuted, you might not be a Christian. Persecution comes in a lot of forms. Uh, Your life gets harder. Christianity in America has had an easy go of it for a long time, but it's starting to get harder to be a Christian in the country. Uh, Look at Herschel Walker. Uh, The Senate candidate in Georgia has come out for a biblical worldview of creation, rejects the theory of evolution in favor of God creating Adam and Eve. The media is assailing him for his anti-science beliefs. This is the very same media that is giving celebratory awards to men for being women. Now in California, California City wants to declare Chick-fil-A a public nuisance. Santa Barbara. The city wants to dub its sole Chick-fil-A a public nuisance due to long drive through lines that cause cars filled with hungry customers backing the street for hours at a time. The eatery, known for its waffle fries and chicken sandwiches, has had a restaurant in Santa Barbara since 2013, drawing a steady flow of patrons whose vehicles block nearby driveways and sidewalks and make city buses and emergency vehicles find other routes, according to city officials. Chick-fil-A's drive through lane heightened the odds of traffic collisions and pedestrians getting injured at peak volume. The drive through blocks one lane of traffic for as much as 90 minutes on weekdays and as much as 155 minutes on Saturdays, according to a city traffic report. Kristen Snedden, a member of the Santa Barbara City Council, believes the restaurant may have outgrown the location and the problem can't be fixed. Now, this is one of those rare stories here. Because typically what happens is they punish Chick-fil-A for being a privately held corporation owned by a group of Christians. They're after Chick-fil-A here because of traffic. I got to tell you, I live near a Chick-fil-A and there are times when the traffic gets out of control. People love Chick-fil-A. It's not like we uh, have too few Chick-fil-A's in Georgia, the home state of the company. We got a number, and in fact, they've had to redo the um, lanes at the Chick-fil-A near me, and they've got three lanes now where you can pull up and the kids walk the the food to you. For the life of me, I don't understand this. The people who go in 
They don't use the two lanes. They want to be up close. And and I guess to some degree, like when it's raining, nobody uses the second and third lane because we don't want the poor kid to have to carry your food through the rain to the car. They get wet. Your food gets wet. But when it's sunny, the people are like, they forget, ah, I've got a second and a third lane I can use. One of the glorious things is that our local Chick-fil-A now has a line. If you've placed a mobile order, you get in that lane and nobody uses it. And half the time that the 80-year-olds get in there and they don't know how to use the app. And so they place their order there and you can tell they back it up. But this Chick-fil-A in Santa Barbara, California, it is uh, being declared a public nuisance by a city because of all the traffic backups. I highlight that because it's a rarity. In San Antonio, Texas, they didn't want a Chick-fil-A at the airport because it was a Christian business. In New York, the then mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, uh, looked down on on Chick-fil-A and encouraged people not to go to Chick-fil-A because, well, you know, the the family that owns it, uh, they believe in traditional marriage and Christian values. Around the country, governmental entities have done this. And oftentimes they'll say, well, it's closed on Sunday. We don't want to put them in our airport because they're closed on Sunday. And then there are people on the left. I know people. There are people in my building who won't eat at Chick-fil-A because of their bigotry against Chick-fil-A. They say, well, Chick-fil-A is bigots to us. No, they're not. I mean, who doesn't like a pickle between two buttered buns. I I don't understand how people could be opposed to one of these deliciously fried chicken sandwiches, a pickle and buttered buns. But some people are because the family that owns Chick-fil-A are Christians. And this happens in this country. People say, well, it's not really persecution. They're not dead. We're not killing the Catholic family. No, but you're discriminating because you think they're discriminating. You're being a bigot to them. But it's not just them around the country. More and more Christians, particularly in public settings, are being bullied and being pressured to renounce their faith or succumb to the culture. You know, I, I think it was Kevin DeYoung, the, the the Presbyterian pastor, prominent, said that the world is catechizing you whether you want to believe it or not. In Kansas, Kansas, a teacher has been disciplined because a student in the classroom demanded that the teacher call another student by that student's preferred pronouns. Now, notice the transgender student had nothing to do with it. It was another student who spoke up on behalf of the transgender student and said, I demand you call him her. And then that student wanted the teacher to know that his pronouns were he, them. There aren't two of them. Then the voices in the kid's head, apparently. The teacher's being punished for saying no. The teacher tried to make a reasonable accommodation by avoiding pronouns altogether and just calling the student by the student's name. That wasn't good enough. They want to punish the teacher for doing this. This has happened in Virginia as well. A teacher lost his job for refusing to play the pronoun game. How the hell are we culture warriors when we're not the ones pushing the stuff? How is it that conservatives are the culture warriors? This is the just the, the craziest, craziest thing that we're the ones who are just for the status quo and we're the culture warriors. You know, five years ago, this wasn't a thing. Trying to demand that Americans upend the rules of grammar in a five-year period 
to accommodate people with mental health issues is one of the most insane things I've ever seen. And it is coming for Christians in this country. They will be targeted. It's like the baker in Colorado, Jack Phillips. Do you know when the Supreme Court ruled that the state of Colorado had harassed him and inappropriately discriminated against him and they threw out Colorado's case against him, a transgender lawyer immediately went to Jack Phillips and demanded a cake celebrating the person's transition. And Phillips said no. And the transgender lawyer immediately filed suit, openly admitting he was targeting Jack Phillips. And that case has had to wind its way through the court system again, and it's been thrown out again. Bernal Stutzman was a florist in Washington. A gay couple who had long used her business asked her to provide flowers for their wedding, and she said she was very sorry, she was a Christian, that she believed marriage was between a man and a woman and she would not be able to provide the flowers. The couple were upset. They did not file a complaint. One of the men complained on social media, on Facebook about it, and it got to the Attorney General of Washington State, and the Attorney General of Washington State drove Baronel Stutzman out of business, threatened to take her dog and sell the dog to pay the fine, wiped out her retirement plan, wiped out her business because she refused to provide flowers to a gay wedding because she's a Christian and believes marriage is between a man and a woman. The Supreme Court, by the way, refused to take her case. Although the Supreme Court is now taking a similar case with a uh, web designer who did not want to design a website for a uh, gay marriage for, for the couple. They said it was uh, artistic skills and did not want to use their art for gay marriage. Now, listen, I don't care what you think about gay marriage. Christians in this country lost the fight on the legalization of gay marriage. The Supreme Court said it's the law of the land. What the Supreme Court did not say is that you have to provide goods and services. And yet, and yet, a lot of people think that Christians have to, and they want to force them. The culture warriors of this country are the ones who are persecuting the Christians and demanding that Christians bend over backwards to accommodate positions deeply contrary to their faith. And I want you to note, they never do this to Muslims. Now, there's one reason why. Christians are predominate this country. Muslims in this country are actually a very small percent of this country. And what's so interesting to me is that there's new data out on the actual percentages of people in this country. How many people in this country do you think are gay or lesbian? Majority of Americans perceive that about 30% of the country are. Actually, it's 3%. 4% of Americans describe themselves as bisexual. 3% as atheists. 3% as gay or lesbian. 1% as transgender. And yet... We bend over backwards in this country to accommodate that 1% and make everyone else bow to them. 5% of this country are vegan or vegetarian, only 5%. You would think it was a lot more because the media gives such a uh, disproportionate coverage to that. 
so much of the media coverage out there on these issues uh, steers towards making it sound like those groups are massively populated and underrepresented when in fact, you know, uh, it's not actually very common for people to run into a transgender person. It's not. And the media caters, Hollywood caters, and then they want to punish the Christians for refusing to be down with the agenda. But it's not just Christians. It's a lot of parents are like, really? My daughter, my real daughter has to stand behind this? There was a columnist in, I think it was the Atlanta Journal, handed over her education column to a mother upset about a parental bill of rights. One of the, the, the pieces of legislation would prohibit boys from competing in girls' sports. And the woman's like, but this puts my daughter at a disadvantage. Her daughter is actually her son. By the way, someone in the know emailed me yesterday and said, you know, what's so interesting here is it's actually a lot of it is women. A lot of it is is it's it's not dads. It's it's women, often uh, single upper income women who have kids are the ones most likely to do that. And lesbians do that, push their kids into transgenderism. And very often what we're finding more and more is it's a parental push. It's not the kids. I'm sorry, your three-year-old does not know about transgenderism. And the fact that there are parents who want their child to identify as uh, contrary to their born sex is the middle issue with the parents, subjecting the children to their own neuroses. And yet the rest of us are supposed to be down with it and accept it or we're the bigots. This case in Kansas is going to go to court. This teacher who is a Christian does not want to play the pronoun game. The child did not complain. Someone else complained. And now the school is punishing the teacher for refusing to play a game that five years ago wasn't even a game, wasn't even a thing. And now suddenly everyone's going to bow to a percentage that makes up less than 1% of the American population or else you got to lose your job. And that's insane. Now, before I get out of here, I'm going to take this call. Uh, Mindy, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Eric. Um, there are just about 30 things I want to talk to you about, but I'll narrow it down to. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're just hitting all of them today. This Asian hate thing, the gun rights thing, um, the transgender bullying. What I really wanted to point out, though, the two things I'm worried about. One is what's happening um, with this race for Senate in Georgia, which you mentioned earlier, Herschel versus Warnock. Mm-hmm. And sort of the hypocrisy, I think, of Herschel being, you know, ripped and torn down because of his, you know, belief in, in creation and biblical uh, and what the Bible teaches versus what we're also curious to know what the Reverend Pastor Warnock says um, about that subject. And I think somebody ought to ask him. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. That's number yeah. one. That, that would be a, a question. Do you accept the biblical reality of Adam and Eve? Do you think someone should be attacked by the media for believing that? I would be curious to hear what Reverend Warnock says about that. Well, he's made his, his position on abortion, which, you yeah. know, also you can look in the Bible and see what it says about that. It's clear. Right. Um, I, I have a hard time understanding how he calls himself a pastor as such. Um, and then... You know, it's just his his ads are very good. Um, so that that concerns me as somebody who does not plan to vote for him. 
His ads are very good. They're oh, they very, really are. He's got a great uh, well team. Well-funded. They're very sexy. They're very well thought out, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering where, where are Herschel's ads? Um, well, you know, I got to tell you, Mindy, and I got to go to commercial break here. I appreciate you calling in, but I got to tell you that my concern on the Herschel stuff is that they're they're sheltering him so much, they're protecting him so much, they're not getting him out there. He's not on on a lot of stages. He's not doing a lot of big events. He's not not being challenged. That would he, they're going to challenge him in the general election, and if they don't prepare him for it now by having to face the same criticisms in the primary. Good God, I feel sorry for him and what he's going to be subjected to in the general. The Democrats will be ruthless, and he will be unprepared. I want to prepare you for traveling when you get into a hotel room or a car that just kind of smells. Happens to me all the time. That's why I travel with my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It's an air purifier. Uh, it is very portable. It's bigger than your hand, but not that big. You can hold it in just one hand. Plugs into the wall. You can use a USB plug for it. It just works, and it gets rid of the odors. It doesn't mask them. It eliminates them. It also gets rid of the mildew, the bacteria, the mold, the pollen floating in the air. And you don't have to buy a filter subscription. You just wipe it out on occasion. It just works. If you want one, in fact, right now you can buy three of them for less than $200. That's the $200 savings, and you get free shipping. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in my discount code, ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K, the number three, and you will see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Put it in your car to check out if the discount code hadn't carried over. There's a discount code box there. Put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. That's a $200 savings. And you'll get free shipping at EdenPureDeals.com. Well, get ready for airfare tickets to skyrocket. Not because of jet fuel costs. Jet fuel costs, they're going up. And prices are going up for it. But there's actually something else happening. Uh, passenger demand. Uh, if you're paying more, according to J.P. Morgan, a lot of it has to do with demand. Delta and American both. So they've had record days for passenger bookings in the past week. They are seeing a, a significant increase. Um, the surge in demand is lifting fares by about 15 to $20 on a $200 ticket in the second quarter of the year. That represents an 8 to 10% increase above what Delta had previously planned on charging for fares. It's really been the strong demand and better pricing environment that's allowed us uh, more than to offset the fuel costs, says Delta President Glenn uh, Hanstein. Um, he says he, he had never seen demand turn on so quickly as it had after Omicron. The three largest U.S. airlines, American United and Delta, warned investors Tuesday that the average price for a gallon of fuel will jump between 17 and 33 percent in their current quarter compared to the last three months of 2021. Uh, but really, the biggest cost is going to be passengers. They're all pouring back in. You know, Mitt Romney was the only Republican to not stand on getting rid of masks mandates. Uh, six Democrats joined all the Republicans except Romney on getting rid of mask mandates. Uh, hopefully the House of Representatives will put this to a vote. They need a discharge petition in the House to make it so and see if you can get 218 Republicans and Democrats in there to do this. Let's get rid of the mask mandate on planes the TSA is keeping it for another month, but they're keeping it longer, it sounds like, on trains and other public transportation, which is absurd. It's 2022. 
things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.